The following is a production of the PTB Soccer Podcast Network, the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast Network. The views expressed on the show are those of the host and solely of the host. For more information, follow the PTB Soccer Network on Instagram at PTB Soccer. That's on Instagram at PTB Soccer. Enjoy the show. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to episode three of the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and I am here on a Monday edition of the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast here on the PTB Soccer Network. It is about 5.38 in the morning here on the east coast of the United States in the Boston area, and I am recording for you now this week's episode there's quite a bit to talk about this week so we're gonna get right into it all right and I'm gonna start with um, my thoughts on last week's show I thought last week's show went pretty well and it did pretty well um, quite a few new listeners out there so I want to extend a, a special welcome to everybody listening for the first or second time to this podcast this is a brand new project of mine this is something I've had in mind from for couple years now and finally got gotten the ability to to get it off the ground and get it going um it like I said it's been a long time coming and I have I've been going back and forth on the format on the topics things like that um so it's still an evolving project as we speak but this is this is uh you know, this is the current form of the podcast, and it is going to be just like last week. We're going to go over some some key points in the game of football around the world. We're going to check in in some leagues, and of course, we're going to talk about some news. There's a lot of news going on, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna touch on it, but it's only going to be the tip of the iceberg because there's so much going on in the world of football right now. Um, before we we continue, I do want to do want to announce to anybody listening and if you're listening on the PTV soccer network especially um, I'm announcing that from from this moment forward or I made this decision a few days ago but going forward all PTV soccer network podcasts will be ad free for the first 30 days that they are up so for example this episode 3 is dropping today july the 13th of 2020 and it will be ad free until august the 13th of 2020 and um that is my thank you to the listeners and even though i do need to pay some bills as um 
you know, podcasting does take up quite a bit of time, but I enjoy what I'm doing and I want to give it to you ad free for the first 30 days here on the PTB Soccer Network. We're going to start this week in the EFL in the English Football League. We are going to start with the championship and it is round 43 now complete in the English Football League Championship. I'll run down the scores quickly. We're going to start on July the 7th where round 43 began. Nottingham Forest loses 1-0 at home to Fulham. The uh, the Cottagers are are moving closer to the playoffs and they have their their eyes set on those playoffs. Brentford victorious 2-1 over Charlton Athletic. Brentford can taste a, can taste their spot in the Premier League. They're they're in a fight with West Bromwich and with Leeds United for the the title in the in the EFL Championship as well as for one of the two automatic promotion spots. Luton Town 1, Barnsley 1, Reading 0, Huddersfield Town 0 and Cardiff City 2, Blackburn Rovers 3. We move to July the 8th, and it is Millwall, nil, Middlesbrough, 2, West Bromwich, Albion, 2, Derby County, nil, as we have two candidates there for promotion. One is a candidate to promote, be promoted directly, while the other is on the outside looking in at a possible chance to get in to the playoffs. Birmingham City 1, Swansea City 3, Bristol City 2, Hull City 1. Wigan Athletic 1, Queens Park Rangers 0, Sheffield Wednesday 1, Preston North End 3, and then we have from July 9th, we've got Leeds United 5, Stoke City 0, Huddersfield Town in action again, they drop a home decision, 0-2 uh, to two to Luton Town, Fulham with another victory, 2-0 over Cardiff City this time on the 10th of July, and on the we get to the weekend now on the the 11th of July this was this past Saturday this is actually the beginning of round 43 here Charlton Athletic nil Reading 1 Derby County 1 Brentford 3 Brentford with another 3 points Barnsley nil Wigan Athletic nil Blackburn Rovers 1 West Bromwich Albion 1 so West Brom drops 2 points here at the tail end of the championship Hull City nil, Millwall 1, Middlesbrough 1, Bristol City 3, Preston North End 1, Nottingham Forest 1, Queens Park Rangers nil, Sheffield Wednesday 3, and then July 12th yesterday, two more matches to close out the round. It's Stoke City at home 2, Birmingham City nil, and in the big match in the championship this weekend, uh, playoff candidate Swansea City nil. League leaders, Leeds United 1. Leeds picks up three more points. Leeds is now clear at the top of the table. Let's go to the table and run it down and see where everybody lies in the English Football League Championship. As we said, Leeds United are top of the table now after 43 matches, 25 wins, 9 draws, 9 defeats. Good for 84 points. They are top Three points clear now of West Brom, who are second with 81 points. Third is Brentford with 78. Still still three matches to play in the English League Championship. And um, still anybody's to win 
Leeds United has not secured uh, promotion yet. They're going to need three more points to do so. Um, they are, and actually they, they'll they need four more points to do so because they have an inferior goal difference to third place Brentford. So Leeds United are on 84 with a goal difference of 35. West Brom, 81 points, goal difference of 33. Brentford in third have 78 points, but they got a goal difference of 43. So if they can pull level with the teams above them, they will leapfrog them and go ahead in the table. Fourth place right now is Fulham. Like I said, the Cottagers looking looking for a spot in the playoff, looking to find their way back to Wembley and hopefully get to the English Premier League once again. They're fourth on 76 points, and seven back from them is Nottingham Forest with 69 points, and right now the final playoff spot belongs to Cardiff City. The Bluebirds are sixth with 64 points, one ahead of Swansea City, their Welsh rivals. Uh, so it'll be a bitter fight to the end for the two squads from Wales there, while Preston North End is eighth on 62 points, definitely still within range of the playoffs, as is Millwall, who are ninth with 62 points, Derby County 10th with 61, Bristol City 11th with 61. These teams are not quite out yet either. They're only three back of the final playoff spot. So it's going to be an exciting finish to the season in the EFL Championship this year. 12th place is Blackburn Rovers. They're they're four back of a playoff spot. Not completely out either yet as they're 12th with 60 points. Reading are are 13th on 56 points. Sheffield Wednesday, 14th on 55. Wigan Athletic have 54 points. They're in 15th place. QPR have 53. They're in 16th place. And right now, Stoke City sitting two points, sorry, four points clear of the drop zone. They're 17th on 49 points. Birmingham City is 18th, also on 49 points. And now you're getting dangerously close to the drop zone. You have in 19th place Middlesbrough and in 20th place Huddersfield Town, both with 40, both on 47 points, while Charlton Athletic is to, is 21st on 46 points. And now in the drop zone right now, as it stands, on 45 points, so only two points from safety right now is Hull City in 22nd. Luton Town are one behind them and three from safety. Luton Town are 23rd on 44 points and bottom of the table right now and still not technically eliminated either are Barnsley who are 24th on 43 points. So we're going to keep an eye on this EFL championship until it concludes and we're going to have a very exciting race for the final playoff spot and another very exciting race for relegation and we got a three-team race for the title as well. Everything you can ask for in a football league is is on display here in the English League Championship. And we're going to take a quick pause now and come back with the news here on the PTB Soccer Podcast Network. This is the Park in the Bus Soccer Podcast, the flagship show of the PTB Soccer Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Park in the Bus Podcast, episode number three. And it is now time for the news this week. First order of business is here stateside. It is in the United States, and it is. CBS Sports is taking over the UEFA 
competitions, their coverage of it early. That's right. Um, a few months back, CBS won the bid from UEFA. They won the broadcast rights to the UEFA Champions League and UEFA Europa League starting in 2021-2022. However, however, not that long ago, about two weeks ago, Turner Sports announced and informed UEFA they were they were exercising a loophole or uh, an exit clause I should say in their contract to to exit the contract and to terminate the deal with UEFA leaving the United States without English language coverage of UEFA competitions until 2021 until August of 2021 however this week it was announced that UEFA have allowed CBS, the largest terrestrial uh, network, most watched terrestrial network in the United States, they have allowed them to opt into the deal one year plus early. So the good news is CBS and their sister stations, or their their between CBS, CBS Sports, um, CBS Sports Network, and CBS streaming uh, platform will have they will have the coverage of the UEFA Champions League quarterfinals, semifinals and finals as well as the Europa League quarters, semis and final this year. So it is announced this week and I have an article here from Sports Illustrated in front of me and it says that the pandemic enforced changes of the Champions League pres- um, I'm sorry, the pandemic enforced changes to the Champions League presented the perfect format for CBS to find to find its broadcast European soccer showpiece competition earlier than planned here in the United States. And as I click here, there's not much else to... uh, Okay, there we go. And that's really the only news from the Associated Press on July the 10th, just announcing that CBS will be covering it. I assume it'll be... They'll be... The majority of the matches will probably be, be put on the streaming platform, but we do know that the final, okay, will be played on CBS over the air. It could do an absolutely massive number. Um, our sport has never had the exposure of an over-the-air CBS before. We've always done well on network television, whether it's the World Cup final, the Euro final between you know Fox and ES and ABC. The Champions League final has done well on Fox in the in the past. Um, I expect the Champions League to do even better on CBS Sports. Uh, next in the news is we're staying with the UEFA Champions League and Europa League as the quarterfinal draw took place this week. And as we announced last week, the Champions League final will be played in Lisbon, Portugal. And the final is scheduled for the 23rd of August. And um, here we still have some matches to play in the round of 16. So still to go in the round of 16, we have Chelsea needing to finish up their second leg against Bayern Munich. Right now, Bayern Munich has a 3-0 advantage in the aggregate. Leon has to finish their uh, their round of 16 tie with Juventus. Right now, Leon sit atop with a 1-0 advantage from the first leg. And Napoli and 
Barcelona are are level 1-1 after the first leg in Napoli. So Barcelona with an away goals advantage in that one. And Real Madrid will travel to Manchester to take on Manchester City on August the 7th. And right now City hold a 2-1 advantage with two of those goals being, with both of those goals I should say, obviously being away goals. So here is the draw. Okay, so the draw was made this past week. So in the first quarterfinal, in quarterfinal one, you have the winner of round of 16 tie two, which is the winner of Real Madrid, Manchester City, taking on the winner of round of 16 tie six, which is the winner of Leon and Juventus. So you have a chance there to see CR7 take on his old team. Um, or you will see Manchester City take on either Leon or Juventus. So there are some possibilities there for quarterfinal number one. Quarterfinal number two is already set to go. It is RB Leipzig taking on Atletico Madrid. Remember, RB Leipzig will be without Timo Werner in the quarterfinals as he has already signed a deal to move to Chelsea and has announced he will not play in this competition or in the remainder of the competition. Quarterfinal number three is the winner of round of 16, tie eight, which is Napoli and Barcelona taking on the winner of round of 16, tie five, which is Chelsea and Bayern Munich. So how does it shape up? Well, it shapes up pretty nicely if you are in quarterfinal number if you're in quarterfinals number two and four. That's right. There will be one of these four teams will be in the final, either RB Leipzig, Atletico Madrid, Atalanta, or Paris Saint-Germain will be in the final. That is going to be one heck of a of a side of the bracket. So there will be a Cinderella story, although it's hard to call PSG a Cinderella story. They're just a perennial, um, you know, a team that perennially, perennially fails in the UEFA Champions League, and they have not had a competitive match in four months now. So it'll be interesting to see if they're prepared. But how about the prospect of Atalanta going to the final? And a lot of people are picking Atleti, Atletico Madrid to to lift the cup this year as, remember, these are all single-match uh, ties with the exception of the second legs that need to be played in the round of 16 from the quarterfinals forward. It is all one match. All right, so we how it shapes up is quarterfinal one, either Real Madrid, Manchester City, Juventus or Leon. Okay, will be in that will will be in that first semifinal. Two of those four teams. The other semifinal will feature the winner of RB Leipzig and Atletico Madrid versus the winner of Atalanta and PSG. And, of course, as you know, the final is set for the 23rd of August in the Stadio de Luz, the Stadium of Light in Lisbon. Now, moving to the Europa League, let's take a look at how that draw came out. And there are still more matches also to be played uh, in the round of 16 in the Europa League. So let's start in the round of 16 and see what we have left to to do here in the round of 16. And in the round of 16, so everyone still has a second leg to play. Some team, some of these ties haven't even had their first legs yet, so we we don't even know the dates yet for those comp. But for second legs coming up on August the 5th, it will be Istanbul Beşiktaş versus Copenhagen. 
that match will take off will take place in Denmark. The UEFA did announce that the teams will host the second leg, the teams that have already played away in the first leg. Um August the 6th, Olympiacos hosting Wolverhampton Wanderers. They, of course, were drawn one all in in Wolverhampton back in the first leg, and now they travel to Athens to to settle the tie. Scottish side Rangers are down one to three on aggregate as they travel to Germany to take on Bayer Leverkusen. On August the 6th. On August the 5th, still, BFL Wolfsburg will host Shakhtar Donetsk. Oh, will tra- excuse me, travel to Shakhtar Donetsk. Shakhtar Donetsk are ahead 2-1 in that tie with two away goals. Inter Milan versus Hetafe will play their first leg on August the 5th in Italy. Uh, Inter will be hosting that while Sevilla will play at home to Roma on August the 6th. Those are both first leg ties. Eintracht Frankfurt will will travel to Basel on August the 6th as Eintracht are are behind right now 3-0 on aggregate and Austrian side Lask will will travel to Old Trafford to take on a a very informed Manchester United who currently lead the tie. Five goals to nil. All right, quarterfinal draw, UEFA, Europa League, and quarterfinal one. It is the winners of round of 16, tie four, which is the winners of Wolfsburg and Shakhtar Donetsk will take on the winners of round of 16, tie seven, Frank Eintracht Frankfurt and FC Basel. Quarterfinal number two, you have round of 16, match or tie eight Lask and Manchester United so likely Manchester United taking on the winner of tie one Istanbul Besiktas and Copenhagen in quarterfinal three you will see the winner of round of 16 tie five which is Inter and Getafe take on the winner of tie three which is Rangers and Leverkusen and in the final quarterfinal number four it will be the winner of Olympiacos and Wolves taking on the winner of Sevilla and AS Roma. So we'll see how that plant pans out. Of course, the quarterfinals and beyond will all be played in Germany in the UEFA Europa League. With the final being scheduled for the Rhein Energy Stadion in Cologne. So in Cologne, Germany there will be a new Europa League champion crowned. All right, very, very exciting matchups in the quarterfinals there in this competition. Moving ahead now, we move to some transfer news. Uh, Both Juventus and Barcelona announced this week that they will be swapping players as Panic is headed from Juve to Barcelona and Artur headed in the opposite direction. Comniball announced this week that they will be resuming the Copa Libertadores on September the 15th as they announced this via their website. I have the the press release here via www.copalibertadores.com forward slash en and you can find the press release there. Match day three will be played on September the 15th. Match day four, September the 22nd. Match day five. 
and this is uh, these dates are for that entire week. Match day five, the week of September the 29th, and match day six on the week of October the 20th. The knockout round draw is still to be confirmed, but the round of 16 will be played on the weeks of November the 24th and December the 1st. Quarterfinals scheduled for the week of December the 8th and December the 15th. Semifinals on the weeks of January the 5th and January the 12th with a final set for a unnamed date in January 2021. So the 2020 uh, Comunibol Copa Libertadores final will take place in the year 2021. And moving ahead, we we now have scores coming up in the MLS is back cup and the Copa Port Mexico. Starting in MLS is back. So this is the MLS is back tournament. All right, it started this week. It kicked off in Group A on July the 8th. Orlando City victorious 2-1 over Inter Miami. Also in Group A, New York City FC drops a tough one. Nil to one to Philadelphia Union. Move to Group B. And Seattle Sounders with a nil-nil draw with San Jose Earthquakes. It's the only match so far played in Group B. Group C, Montreal Impact nil, New England Revolution 1. Also the only match played in Group C. And in Group D, you have Sporting Kansas City 1, Minnesota United FC 2. You also have Real Salt Lake 2 and Colorado Rapids nil. Those matches were played on July the 12th. They were played yesterday. And in Group E, you have Atlanta Atlanta United FC nil, New York Red Bulls one, uh, FC Cincinnati nil, Columbus Crew SC four, and that is that is the only matches that have been played so far in the MLS is back cup. So um, nobody has played more than one match at this point in Groups F and Group F and Group. B have yet to begin, or Group B has two teams that have played. Group C has two teams that have played, and Group Group F is yet to even begin. They play today, July the thirteenth. You have LAFC taking on Houston Dynamo at eight p.m. and at ten thirty p.m. tonight, LA Galaxy host Portland Timbers. Copa por México. The first round is complete. Here are the standings in Group A. Cruz Azul wins the group with three three victories, nine points. Second is America with a win, a draw, and a defeat. They have four points. Group B, Chivas are the winners with six points, two victories, and one defeat. While Tigres, no, excuse me, yes, Tigres take second with five points, one victory, and two draws. Semifinals are set for July the 15th. It's going to be Cruz Azul versus Tigres and El Clásico de México. Chivas Guadalajara versus Club América in the other semifinal. The final is scheduled for the 19th of July. In other news this week, Mike Woltala of Soccer America released an article this week regarding the situation in one of America's universities, and I think that this is a situation that's going to become, unfortunately, all too common, as um, he has announced that Appalachian State, a public state-funded university in North Carolina, has announced that they are cutting men's soccer, men's tennis, and men's track and field. 
Um, so it was announced back in November of 2019 that Appalachian State's Board of Trustees, they approved a $5 million expenditure to the already $45 million project for the construction of a building adjacent to the football stadium that is known as the North End Zone. And when I say football, I'm talking of American football right now in, in the university system in the NCAA. In May of 2020... Appalachian State uh, announced, and they, Appalachian State is a, like I said, a state public university of 17,500 students announced back in May they were dropping men's soccer, men's tennis, and men's track and field. The athletic department announced that the move was aimed at to save the athletic department around $1 million, and according to the Greensboro um or I should say that that figure is according to the Greensboro News and Record, a news source there in North Carolina. And also Appalachian State, um, on the record, blames COVID for cutting the sports um, in an effort to... to um, in an effort to, to put Appalachian State's sports in a better... in a better place to, to protect... Appalachian State's future success, they have cut these sports. But according to, and this is in Mike Wotala's uh, Soccer America article, according to an NCAA financial report for the fiscal year 2019 um, at Appalachian State, men's soccer expenses were $607,047. And that is including scholarships with $44,548 being brought in in revenue. Although... Sports economist Andy Schultz has estimated that the three cut sports brought in approximately $400,000 in tuition. Men's soccer, for example, had 7.6 scholarships, seven and two-thirds scholarships to hand out, and about half of the 30-man roster was paying full tuition for the university. All right, so I'm going to give my thoughts on this. I picked this article because I wanted to give some thoughts on this, and... um, my personal view has has evolved and changed a little bit in regards to college soccer. Ten years ago, I thought it was a problem and it was something that needed to be cut out of U.S. soccer. Unfortunately, those at U.S. soccer agreed with me and college soccer has been completely like ostracized in the last ten years along with high school soccer. And those are, I realize now, those are important um, cornerstones of culture and of of just cultivation of athletes in our country here in the United States of America. Um, With U.S. soccer canceling the DA earlier this year, right? And I think anybody that follows it and that is honest with themselves will say that the DA was a failure, okay? MLS clubs having academies is good, but it does not... It does not cover enough of the player pool. There are a lot of players in this country that go unnoticed, that fall through the cracks and don't find their way up up the ladder. And hurting college soccer also doesn't just hurt, uh, you know, player development, U.S. development. It hurts all of those players who play college soccer, who play soccer in college, who for them it is an it's an integral part of the college experience of their education. And just because it may not be the best place to develop professionals, um, I now believe that it's wrong for U.S. soccer to just turn their back on that 
entire community because there's a lot to be learned there. There's a lot of good coaches in college soccer. And there are a lot of good players that are later bloomers that really could be of assistance to Major League Soccer and USL teams going forward because not every player is going to be ready at 18 to sign a professional contract. I think the more avenues you have to professional soccer in, in this country, the better because this country is so vast and there are so many players that are completely unknown. Um, unfortunately, be- this is becoming all too familiar the case with uh, universities cutting men's soccer. For example, two of the biggest college uh, athletic conferences in the United States, the the SEC and the Big 12 don't even have men's soccer. None of those universities cover men's soccer. That's because of the way Title IX has been applied and the way that it is being used by these, these athletic departments. If you don't know, Title IX was, was a piece of legislation that passed a long time ago that stated essentially that universities had to had to divulge the same amount of funds to men's athletics as to women's athletics. The unintended consequence of this has been the cutting of many men's sports due to just how much of the budget is is completely eaten up by American football and basketball in particular. Therefore, um, what happens is in order to counterbalance um, the expenditures and in order to... to to divulge the correct funds to men's and women's sports. What's happened is that women's soccer has been put as a partner with men's American football. So men's soccer and women's field hockey have fallen by the wayside at many universities because of the inability to to fund those sports equally. So in a lot of American universities, there is no men's soccer, and it's becoming more and more the case, more and more... Universities are cutting men's soccer because men's soccer is not a profitable is not a profitable sport in the NCAA. Only American football and men's basketball really are profitable, um, and this is unfortunate because there's 30 players on that team that now have to decide if they've got to uproot and change schools just to continue playing soccer, or if they're going to give up on soccer and stay at their school. Um, it's it's not a good situation, and like I said, this is a misapplication of Title IX, all right? I'm not going to get political, but Title IX was never intended to take away opportunities from anybody. It was intended to create opportunities and to create equality, but not to use equality to, to take away men's athletics. Um, and shame on these universities who bring in insane amounts of money due to American football. And um, honestly, listen, I... When it comes to acad, I'm very anti-academia. If you if you know me personally, you know I'm very anti-academia. I think there's a lot of people in a lot of universities that are overpaid, and I'm talking about presidents, department heads, professors. They're overpaid for what they do. They have little life experience. They have little experience outside of academia, and the knowledge they provide is not worth the insane amount of money that they charge students and parents to attend their universities. And I don't care if it's a state university or a private university. They're all overpriced. All the information you learn in universities is available online for much, much less money and, and for free. And entrepreneurs everywhere are denouncing the current you know, university college system in this country. It's made to make money. It is, it is designed to keep students in school paying more tuition and then... You know they they get insane amounts of money from from tuition and from room and board, and not to mention the donations they get from wealthy alumni and from boosters 
and and now they're cutting they're cutting a sport like men's soccer and men's tennis men's track and field these are dedicated athletes that have just lost everything that they have worked for throughout their entire you know teenage years to to not even just to earn a scholarship but to be on a college team in the sport of their preference it's very very upsetting to me and i unfortunately think that there's going to be more of this and I do hope that U.S. soccer gets involved and finds a way to incorporate college soccer. And I think it should be incorporated outside of the NCAA, maybe in a club format, but with with guidance and and with subsidi subsidization from U.S. soccer. That's my personal opinion. If you want U.S. soccer to to survive and to continue, I think that is the most important thing. Is that U.S. soccer needs to get involved. And they, basically, U.S. soccer, just like many universities, has way too much money. Okay, I don't care how much money they've lost during COVID. Okay, there's still too many people on staff making too much money. And those funds need to be reappropriated and put back into the game. I know some U.S. soccer people are going are gonna to point... Are gonna point to all these different things that that U.S. soccer provides, and it's great and all, but it could do more. I think U.S. soccer needs to invest more money in in academic or uh, you know interscholastic and collegiate football. But I think they also need to invest more money in town town and city play town and city soccer that's where the majority of the players are they're playing in high school they're playing in town leagues okay the players that are getting overlooked who don't have the money to go play for wealthy or expensive clubs or don't have the money to attend you know uh elite private schools and go on to elite universities are playing in high school and they're playing in town soccer and i think u.s soccer really should be funding especially town soccer a lot more Town soccer should be free. I don't care how much money you cost. The U.S. soccer has made so much money in the last 20 years, and they're going to continue to make so much money. They're hosting a World Cup, or at least co-hosting with two other nations, coming up in 2026. They're going to make an insane amount of money, and that money, I think, needs to be reinvested into the most grassroots levels of football in this country. All right, we're going to move now to... Spain and Cadiz has secured promotion for the first time in 14 years. They have secured their spot in next year's La Liga. Let's look quickly at the standings in La Liga 2. La Liga 2 first place is Cadiz. They've got 69 points on 40 matches. While Huesca are second with 64 points. Third are Real Zaragoza. Uh, on 62, Almeria are fourth with 60, as are Girona, Girona, excuse me, and Fuenlabrada are sixth right now with 57. My Spanish teacher is is cringing hearing. My old Spanish teacher is cringing hearing uh, me pronounce that one. But Rajo Vallecano are seventh on 56. Elche. Uh, eighth on 55. Tenerife and Mirandes are next, ninth and tenth. Las Palmas is 11th. They're also on 53, just like the two teams above them, as is Al Coron. And Sporting Gijon are 13th with 51. Real Oviedo, 14th on 50. Malaga are 15th on 49. 
Ponferradina are 16th. They got 48, as do Deportivo La Coruña. Numancia 18th in 47. And now in the drop zone, Lugo are 19th with 46 points. Albacete are 20th, also on 46. They are one point each two points from safety uh, as they're one point behind Numancia. Extremadura are 21st. They have 40 points. They are all but relegated at this point as they are seven points from safety. And they are, in fact, relegated because they're, still, they're six points from, from pulling even with... Uh, Lugo and Albacete, but they are seven points from Numancia, so Extremadura are relegated, as are Racing Santander. Now, how many of those clubs that I just read off do you remember playing in La Liga? I remember a handful of those. Um, it'll be interesting to see who joins who joins Cadiz in La Liga next season. And also staying on the the topic of relegation, we're going to England, and Norwich City have been relegated. It's now official. They have been relegated back to the championship. They are a team that regularly goes up and down. They fight between relegation in the premiership and promotion in the championship pretty much every season. They're in one of those two situations. Let's quickly look at the table in the Premier League, Liverpool are top and already crowned champions on 93 points. Manchester City are second with 72. They're set in second place. Three matches to play in the Premier League. Chelsea right now third on 60 with Leicester City fourth on 59. Manchester United creeping back into very close to those Champions League spots. Manchester United have 58. They're one back of Leicester City with a match in hand. So um, ever since the arrival of Bruno Fernandes to Manchester United, they have turned things around. And right now the final Europa League spot is held by sixth place Wolves. They have 55 points. One behind them is Sheffield United in seventh with 54. Tottenham are eighth with 52. Arsenal ninth with 50. I can't remember the last time I saw Arsenal so low in the table. Burnley are tenth with 50 as well. Everton are 11th on 45, Southampton 44, Newcastle United 43 points in 13th, Crystal Palace have 42 points in 14th, Brighton, Hove, and Albion have 36 points there, 15th, West Ham right now are four are three points clear of the drop zone in 16th, they have 34 points, as does 17th place Watford, and they'll... F- in the drop zone in 18th place, you have Bournemouth with 31 points, Aston Villa with 30, and already relegated, as we said, Norwich City on 21. That's going to be the news for this week, and we'll be right back with a look at Serie A. Welcome back to the Park in the Bus soccer podcast. Let's go to Italy now, and we're going to check in on Serie A. Round 32 is complete with the exception of one match in Serie A. So let's look at the scores and results starting with last... uh, Let's see, we start back in... On July the 7th is where the round got started. And it got started with an upset. And actually this is part of the previous round, but... We get off with two upsets on the 7th of July. So (laughs) you start off with Lecce beating 
Lazio. Lazio trying to contend for the title, but they lose on the road to Lecce. But later that day, Milan beats leaders Juventus 4-2 in a match that used to be the biggest match in Italy. Uh, you get Juventus out to a two-goal lead, but but the Rossaneri come all the way back as we look at it and we get goals from Zlatan Ibrahimovic from the spot, Frank Kese, Rafael Leon, and Ante Rebic. And just like that, Milan are come back from down 2-0 to win 4-2 at home against the league leaders. And we move along to the next day in the league. And we have here some more results on July the 8th. Fiorentina 0-0 at home to Cagliari. Genoa lose at home to Napoli 2-1. Atalanta victorious again. 2-0 victors over Sampdoria. Bologna 1, Sassuolo 2. Roma 2, Parma 1. Torino 3, Brescia 1. July the 9th, we have Spal, nil, Udinese, 3, Elas Verona, 2, Inter, 2. Now we move to July 11th, and again, another upset. Lazio 1, Sassuolo 2 at the Olympic Stadium. Lazio dropped two matches in a row, and for all intents and purposes, their chase for the Scudetto is finito. Brescia, nil, Roma, 3, and... Juventus 2, Atalanta 2 in what was a cracking match just this past weekend. And then yesterday, July the 12th, a whole slew of matches here. You got Genoa 2, Spal 0, Cagliari 0, Lecce 0, Fiorentina 1, Elas Verona 1, Parma 2, Bologna 2, Udinese 1, Sampdoria 3, Napoli 2, Milan 2. And today we have the final match of the round, and it is Inter hosting Torino. Let's take a look at the standings now as we bring in the table. And we have Juventus, top of the table, basically champions-elect. There's six rounds left to play. Juventus now hold an eight-point lead. They're tops with 76 points. Second is Lazio with 68. Atalanta third with 67. And Inter right now fourth on 65. Then there's a considerable drop of 11 points to get to fifth, and that's where you have Roma holding down fifth place. Napoli are sixth. They're already in the Europa League, having won the Coppa Italia, so they're not feeling the pressure to catch Roma at this time, but they are sixth on 52 points. Um, Milan's European hopes are pretty much dashed also, unless they can make up a four-point gap and catch up to Roma in fifth. Milan are seventh on 50. Sassuolo are eighth on 46. Hellas Verona, 9th on 44. Bologna are 10th on 42. It's actually pronounced Cagliari are 11th with 41. Parma with 40 points are 12th. 13th is Fiorentina, 36 points. Sampdoria, 14th on 35, as are Udinese in 15th. Torino, 16th with 34. Genoa, 17th on 31. Point clear of the drop. 18th place right now is Lecce, despite the big victory over Lazio. Lecce are 18th with 29 points. 
and all but relegated beneath them are Brescia in 19th on 21 and last place Spal with 19 points. Let's take a look now at the Serie A scoring race as that is heating up as well. Uh, Cero Immobile was way ahead not that long ago. But he is being closed in on right now. Ciro Immobile, 29 goals, top of the table. But Cristiano Ronaldo is hot on his track as he now has 28. The Portugal international and Portugal's all-time leading goal scorer and leading um, cap earner has been on a tear as of late. Yes, he's had some penalties, but he has finished them all. And he is now only one back of Immobile. He's got 28 goals at age 35. Romelu Lukaku is third with 20 goals. João Pedro of Cagliari has 17, as does Luis Muriel of Atalanta. Uh, Francesco Caputo of Sassuolo has 16. And then Joseph Ilyich and Duvan Zapata, both of Atalanta, have 15 apiece. It looks like... Um, it looks like Juventus are going to win the Calcio one more time, the Scudetto, and make it eight in a row. And they've made no secret of the fact that they want to they want to win ten in a row. They want to be the first, and they want to have a decade of titles. And um, they're they're on pace to do it. I mean, it looked like this was going to be the year they were going to be they were going to be caught either by. By Lazio or by Inter or by Napoli all at different times this, this season. But ever since coming back from COVID, they have been all business while everybody else is dropping points. Six matches to play in Italy, of course. The lead is eight points. So time is running out for Lazio. Uh, they're going to have to win all their matches now and expect and hope for some help from everybody else that will be playing against Juventus going forward. Now... Quickly, we'll go through La Liga before we take another break, or we take our final break, I should say. In La Liga, Real Madrid are first now. They're one point ahead of Barcelona on 80 points, but they got a match in hand, and Real Madrid's form as of late is all victories. Barcelona are second. They are on 79 points, like I said, with one more match played than Real Madrid. Atleti are third on 66 points. They have the same number of points as Sevilla in fourth, also 66. And they are both nine points clear of fifth place Villarreal. And Hetafe is in sixth with 53. Athletic Bilbao are seventh on 51. Real Sociedad also on 51 in eighth. Valencia and Granada ninth and tenth respectively, both on 50 points. Osasuna are 11th with 48 Levante have 43 in 12th place. Real Betis, 41. Real Valladolid have 39. Ibar, 39 also. Celta Vigo in 16th on 36 points. They're currently 4 points clear of the drop. While Deportivo Alaves are 17th. They have 35 points and they're 3 clear of Leganes in 18th. 18, of course, is the first or the highest spot that does get relegated. The line is at 18. So in the relegation zone, you have Leganes with 32, Mallorca with 32 as well, and Espanyol in the bottom, already relegated with 24 points. Two matches to play in in La Liga with the exception of 
Real Madrid, Real Sociedad, Getafe, Deportivo Alaves, and Deportivo Alaves. Those four teams still have to play round 36, but everybody else has completed 36 of the 38 matches. All right, let's take the final break this week, and we'll come back and discuss last week's match of the week and let you know what match I'm looking forward to this coming week. Welcome back to this final segment of episode 3 of the Park in the Bus podcast. Don't forget to check out the PTB Soccer Network's Instagram page at PTB Soccer. You can go there and you can find some content and some 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 good pictures all related to everything going on in the PTB Soccer Network. All right. Last week I gave everyone a match of the week to keep your eyes on. That was last Wednesday's Rio Cup final between Fluminense and Flamengo and it was the second phase of the Rio State Championship. For those who are unfamiliar real quickly, in Brazil, in addition to their Brazilian League Championship every year, each individual state of Brazil, just like we have states here in the United States, each individual state has their own championship as well. So in the Rio State Championship, there are two phases. There's the first phase, which is the Guanabara Cup. That was won by Flamengo earlier this year, back in March. And or in February, I should say. And the second phase is the Rio Cup. And this was the final of the Rio Cup. So had Flamengo won this final, Flamengo would clinch the Rio State Championship in addition to the Rio Cup. However, uh, fate would have it a different way as Fluminense would win the Rio Cup on penalties. And they've set up a two-leg playoff for the Rio State Championship. Um, the match went to penalty kicks, and Fluminense goalkeeper Muriel uh, Muriel Becker, older brother of Liverpool's goalkeeper Alisson Becker, was the hero, saving two penalty kicks, and Flamengo missed a th- another one wide of the goal, and it led to the red and green side of Rio lifting this trophy, winning the Rio Cup against the odds, and setting up this this upcoming Rio State Championship playoff final. So the first leg of that playoff final was already played. It went off yesterday. Uh, Flamengo did win 2-1 to one in their away leg. Both teams share the same stadium. However, there's two legs and away goals are in effect despite the two teams using the same stadium as their home stadium. Now, um, the t- story would come to be of this match last Wednesday, the Rio Cup final, was a lot of the attention was was centered around Flamengo manager Jorge Zuzuj. All right, if you don't know, I have a podcast all about him. It's called Jota Jota Carioca. It is in Portuguese, but it is available on the PTV Soccer Network, in which I cover his his time at Flamengo, his time in Brazil, the Portuguese manager, first European. Uh, to lead Flamengo to a continental title, first European to lead Flamengo as manager to a Brazilian title, and um, well, <laughs> just on the eve of this this uh, big final last Wednesday was the rumor that Jorge Jesus was headed back to Portugal, back to Benfica. Um, as you all know, I am Mr. Benfica. That is the that is a, also a podcast in the family of PTB Soccer Network podcasts, and so I've been following the story very closely on both of those other podcasts that I do. But 
essentially JJ, as we call him, uh, was not at his best Wednesday night. He was very much a, he seemed very much a distracted individual, very much a contemplative individual, which is not his, that is not his modus operandi. Uh, he is normally very animated, very, very um, eccentric, very much, very much shouting instructions, and that was not what we got from him at all on Wednesday night. Flamingo played a very, very slow match for their standards. Uh, the ball movement was a lot slower than usual. And their arch rivals, Fluminense, took took full advantage. They scored first, Fluminense did. Uh, they, they dropped off. They did allow Flamengo to get back into the match as Fluminense started to play to hold the 1-0 result. And eventually the striker, Pedro, would score. And he would draw the match level, but it would go to penalties. And as we said, would go to Fluminense. Now, several of Flamengo's players are also rumored to be heading with Jorge Jesus to Portugal, notably Bruno Henrique, uh, Gerson, the young, young, promising midfielder, and central defender Leo Pereira. And all of this distraction clearly affected uh, Flamengo in this match. If you haven't seen it, I, I do recommend going, going back and watching some of this match. It's available on YouTube if you go to Flu TV. Okay, on YouTube, which is Fluminense's channel, and you put in, um, if you put in the TASA, T-A-C-A, Rio, R-I-O, final, and look for the full-length match, you will be able to watch it there. Okay, and for anyone interested, um, the second leg of the playoff is Wednesday night in Rio de Janeiro at the Maracanã Stadium, the historic Maracanã Stadium. Now, that's not this week's <laughs> match of the week. This week's match of the week that I'm giving everyone to check out actually takes place today. But don't worry if you're listening to this after Monday. You can go back and watch it because the match is available on ESPN+. Plus. It is the EFL League One final today. It's Oxford United and it's Wickham Wanderers. I apologize for butchering the pronunciation of Wickham. Last week I called him Wycombe uh, in one of my most gringo moments ever. It is Wickham Wanderers, so it is today, July the 13th, 2020, at 2.25 Eastern Time on ESPN+. Plus. It's Oxford United, Wickham Wanderers, winner goes to the championship next year. Um, I'm going to recommend that match to everyone. There's so much to play for, and I will definitely talk about that match next week here on the Parking the Bus podcast. Thank you for joining. I have been your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at PTB Soccer. Um, check us out at the website at www.anchor.fm forward slash PTB Soccer. And you can check out all the other work that I, that I have going. And if you're interested, you can follow me also. Um, you can follow the Mr. Befica podcast, which is the... The main podcast, if you will, it is the one with the most uh, episodes, the one with the most following, and you can find that on any podcast platform, essentially. Just type in the two words, Mr. Befica, or go to www.mrbefica.com. That's www.m-i-s-t-e-r-b-e-n-f-i-c-a.com. The there are 10, 10 or so episodes archived there at all times. Thank you for joining me. We'll see you again next week where we park that bus right here and talk football. Have a good week, everybody.
The proceeding has been a production of the PTB Soccer Network. For more information, you can go to our Instagram page at PTB Soccer or visit us at www.anchor.fm forward slash PTB Soccer, the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast Network.